No one will be admitted after the guests check in. I can feel it coming in the air tonight. Hold on. Anyway. Um, yeah, welcome to Motel Hell. I think we should always start that way. What, in the air? I'm really, that was good. I like that that's the drum solo that came to my head when I thought drum solo. That's the only drum solo that comes to people's yeah. head when they think drum solo. <laughs> Unless you're a drummer. That's yeah. true, that's true. Well, drums are famous. Um, my name's Flex Alexa. Known as Alexa. Dyed my hair tonight. Feeling, feeling kind of, kind of on the edge. Yeah, you look like you're on the edge. <laughs> edge of sleep. It looks like you're one step closer to the edge and about to break. Not Everything you say to me. I like having this color hair, but what color is it? Can you describe it? Describe your hair. My hair. It it looks like I just woke up. From an all night rave. Your hair is essentially the same color as my wife's right now. Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. And she's about to re dye it. That's good. That makes me feel good, that sentence you just said. No, well, you know, hers was red. She's expressing her individuality. No one's an individual. We're all cogs in a machine. Um, <laughs> and the machine is <laughs> grinding to death. I. Sick. To my, to my right? Is, is Benjamin? Ben the Beardo? That's me. That's what they Not call sir. me. Got a nice haircut there. I do. And my beard's a little bit shorter, but still Looks there. Nice. Looks nice. Looks very nice. Thank you. And, uh, who are you again? Dick Fetty. More like elbow deep dick and fetty. Am I right? Yeah, you are really, really in, there. in there. I just want to see how far I can get my hand past my grundle. Is Probably to asshole. Really Are you on asshole? I'm past the ass. Wow. Wow, really? Well, I mean, kind I don't of. Come behind you and shake your hand. Yeah. Don't. 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 It's not what this <laughs> podcast is for. This is free time stuff. I was oh. going to say, if you don't smell it when you pull it out, what was the point? Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, so to tonight we are talking about stalkers. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> They're like the ghosts of humanity. <laughs> they are. But, but first, they will kill you. We're going when the V in voyeurism stands for violence. Yeah. yeah. Ooh. First, we're going to uh, talk about the movie we watched, which was Excelente. That's Spanish for excellent. That, that is. Dick Betty? Oh. Man of the world over here, Dick Betty. Multicultural. <laughs> Do you know what Montequilla means? Tequito. How about you, Ben? What'd you say? Mount the Kia. Uh, does that does it does it mean mount the Kia like yeah. the car? Like get on top of that Kia over there? It means butter. Hmm. So they could have just said butter. It's much shorter. <laughs> anyway. So um, yeah, let's talk about uh, Perfect Blue. Oh, okay. I guess I don't get to make the movie. Oh, I'm sorry. What did we watch tonight? Oh, it's called Perfect. Perfect poo. <laughs> we watched The Secret Life of Arietti. No, well, it was one of those where I'm 
Ben and I have wanted to watch this movie for a long time. We're trying to get Flex to watch it. But the DVD's out of print. I have a VHS copy. It's dubbed. And, uh... We're no longer watching movies off a computer, but a real real TV for real boys. Mm. And uh, there was a lot of technical issues that led to watching it, but I was going to accept nothing less than the best from myself yeah, and from those around me. There was a lot of anger. Dick Fetty took some blows as he was setting up the VCR. Sure yeah. He literally fell over at one point. Yeah. And VCR, I must emphasize. Yeah, we got it We got it done. I pulled out the tape. That's why you never get rid of your stuff that you care about. You just pack it away like a rat. Saving for a cold winter. It's Until good. one day, in your late off. 80s, it topples over you and kills you. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Very Fingers crossed. true. Yeah, if I don't die from like a records falling on top of me kind of death, what was I even doing it all for? I agree. But uh, yeah, so it is uh, Satoshi Kon, who's a famous Japanese uh, director. He died of, uh, I believe it was stomach or bowel cancer, young. It was very sad. He was an extremely talented director. He did Paprika. Paranoia Agent, uh, I think it's not Grave of the Fireflies, but something like that, and uh, the one about the actress, he did, like, I've only seen a couple of his movies, but they're all amazing, supposedly, and he was a much celebrated director, he was like a way darker version of Miyazaki, and a little bit, um, but yeah, 1997, I got this movie on VHS when I was like, I don't know, it was probably 1999, 2000? And uh, it exploded my tiny brain, terrified me, and also became one of my all-time favorite movies. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the plot? Yeah, let's talk about the plot. It totally it. fucked my mind. Uh. There's a lot of, and we were talking about it before, but a lot of um, time loss. There's a lot of, and what I, and what I, am I watching reality? Am I watching a dream? Am I? Is this really happening? There's a part in the middle, I don't want to give it away, where I, I thought I knew what was happening, and it turns out I had no idea towards the end. It's um, like Inception, but not a pile of garbage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's just one of those movies that uh, they use... The fact that it's animated uh, is really more about being able to distort your perception as the viewer that much more, and it's less about it being an anime in any other way. <laughs> uh, but they do it to great effect, and it's just like shot like really super well and it's basically a psychological thriller about the breakdown of somebody's identity and the main character goes from pop idol to actress and has the stalker and like her world starts to collapse and it's i don't know for me like i used to and we talked about this i think when we watched oculus maybe like uh about like i love movies that deal with the breakdown of identity and like losing who you are and because uh, I used to like fight that all the time when I took the kinds of drugs I used to take, so it speaks and resonates with me on like a primal level. And uh, yeah, five out of five stars. I give it a fifty out of five stars. The movie's the fucking best. One billion stars. That's yeah. the first time we've stars. ever done. I will give five. Um, Hot wet kisses. Five ice pick stabs. Out of five ice pick stabs. Nice, solid. I'll give it five creepy photographers out of five. It's definitely one of my favorite, if not my favorite, anime movie ever. Yeah. Yeah, I I was more than pleasantly surprised. Because I wasn't, to be fair, I don't watch anime, and I, like, you guys... Listen, listen, on. you do now. 
Yeah. You guys have, watched JoJo. have put on some stuff for me before where I'm like, oh, I can get into this, but like, JoJo. I'll keep looking down at my phone and stuff. And I was totally captivated this entire movie. My mouth was hanging open the last. Was it because of the full frontal nudity? That the animated tits did a lot for me. Animated titties are great. They are great. They are good. There was a lot. There was animated bush. Yeah. yeah. You really? see a little bit of the, the wispy, the, the wispy, yeah. the little hello down yeah. under mouth, yeah. 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 yeah, vertical smile. It's yeah. good. Yeah. Or is that that ass cheeks? Ain't that pussy crack a smile? That's a <laughs> Cardi B lyric. You should listen to. Is that what your disco box is going to be about tonight? Invasion of privacy. I said Cardi B. Yeah. Yeah. No, I said Cardi B. Like, is that what my disco box is going to be about? No. Oh. What's it going to be about then, Dick Fetty? Nothing good then. Yep, nothing good. Dick Fetty's disco box. Oh. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Idiot. It's a good segue. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I'm all mixed up. I don't know what to do. Every time I turn around, the person is you. Is that is that the lyric? All mixed up. Yeah. Don't know what to do. Is that a song? I don't know what the lyrics are. Or is that sublime? Turn around. Every now and then I get a little bit lonely. Turn. That's what you should do. Your dick box. <laughs> dick box. Never mind. I wish you had a dick box. She stole your lighter. Oh, you monster. Did I? Yeah. Where is it? The other one's underneath those papers. So, anyway, before I so rudely interrupted. um, So, well, first off, for the disco box, and really, we could just spend the next hour talking about Perfect Blue and its excellence, but I... So, I guess I'll start by saying this. If you haven't seen it, which you probably haven't because you're a fucking loser, watch it, and you're going to probably have to torrent it. Or if you live in the UK, they still have it in print. But it is, like, mandatory viewing. Of all the movies we've watched and talked about on this podcast, I would say they're all garbage compared to Perfect Blue. Like, it is easily, infinitely better than any of them, and you have to see it if you want to be my friend. Uh, That being said, I don't want to be your friend, but I do (laughs) want to talk about the soundtrack, which is, like, a pivotal part of the film experience. And, um, you know, there's been this big gush of soundtrack reissues in the past oh what year is it like five to six years and a lot of it's just trash soundtracks that like who gives a shit they just reissue them so they can sell them to you for stupid amounts of money but there's a label called tiger lab vinyl that uh does anime soundtracks and they started with wicked city and used the worst fucking art ever which baffled me because that movie rules and it didn't deserve that kind of treatment but then they did devil man the one we watched the trailer for, right. and then they did Perfect Blue. And I've been trying to get the Perfect Blue soundtrack since I bought the movie way back when, because it is this like terrifying mixture of, you know, it's like got a score feeling to it, but um, it's like these heavy industrial rhythmic shuffling combined with like spooky ambient bits, and then these like vocal parts that are like terrifying and eerie and they're a little bit reminiscent of Ghost in the Shell but instead of having this like kind of majestic cyberpunk theme they're instead like this like I don't know terrifying humming of like a thousand Japanese bees signaling your demise and uh, it's really really good (laughs) bees (laughs) yeah 
But no, seriously. So anyways, Tiger Lab reissued this. I bought it immediately, and uh, then it was delayed by like nine months, and I was so fucking pissed off. I remember you just appeared at my house one night with it, and I was like, is that what I think it is? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Finally, yeah. So um, it's uh, Masahiro Ikumi did the soundtrack. The vinyl version only has the tracks that he did, which are all like the dark, spooky, ambient, and industrial shit. It's extremely good. If you have any interest in like kind of industrial or film scores like as good as the movie like fucking excellent track that down um the cd version which is impossible to find has all the j-pop songs from the movie which are awesome and i really wish i could get that even the taiwanese bootleg is hard to find so uh but that's like my number one disco box recommendation i listened to the record in preparation of watching this movie the other day and i'm like this is like a 10 out of 5 star album this fucking just rules so hard uh, so yeah, so there's that. It's out of print already again, so you're pretty much fucked, but, you know, <laughs> download it. Um, then I have a, a big up uh, recommendation for Linecraft, who's a Japanese artist. He does this great straddling of harsh noise and industrial. He bangs on oil drums. He uses all these like weird fucked up sounding synths. And uh, I can't even honestly remember. It's been so long since we've done an episode. I think I might have recommended this album last time, but it's been like a month. So, and uh, it's his 2017 album on Allsop uh, called Apocalypse Factory, and it's a lot different uh, compared to his earlier works, which are way more metal based. This has a lot of unsettling synth stuff, and it very much makes me think of what Tetsuo, uh, the Iron Man soundtrack, would sound like if it was recorded today it's really really good highly recommended very much in print get that if you have any inclination towards industrial um and then the other two recommendations i have i got uh recently finished a trade with martin from unrest recordings or rather productions which is a fantastic power electronics and industrial label in the uk and he's like specializes in like this new wave of Heavy electronics, which sort of originated with Genocide Organ and Tesco and, and Enzophilia and all that stuff, and uh, has like a distinct roster of artists who all take like a different element of that sound and make it into something new and modern. Um, the first one are these Polish guys who now live in Scotland um, called Kevlar, who I've seen at United Forces of Industrial 2 and then again at 3. And when I saw them the first time, like it was good. A good show they had just put out their first record it was a solid record i was really into it um but it wasn't like the best thing i've ever heard whereas when i saw them for their uh second show at united forces it was like top three of the best performances of the whole weekend it was incredible their their crowd control and stage presence it was like two guys in like basically semi-military gear with this like battery of synths and effects and then they had this like brutal vacuum vacuum videos i weren't even like graphic as much as they were just like struggle and like all this like intense like psychological imagery like crazy shit i don't even know how to explain it and then just like this commanding vocal presence and uh their music is all about like struggle and conflict and 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 identity struggle and it's just like just great shit and they have a new album called new fears new fights which came out last year and is fucking awesome it's even better than their first album it's clear, it's more brutal, it really deserves to be cranked loud as fuck. Um, so, huge recommendation there. And then my last one is Abskew, if I'm saying it right, 
which is another tape on uh, Unrest, and they recently reissued it as an LP, but it's called Pretense, and it's very much like the same kind of heavy electronics, but rather than being these shorter, more compact songs, it's got like a, a more open and sterile, not even sterile, but like this more open and terrifying sound, like a really massive aspect to it, uh, but like a hollowness at the same time, and um, I was doing fourth and fifth step work with Luke last weekend. I put it on in the background. He's like, I feel like I've died and gone to hell for my sins. I was like, nice. <laughs> it was the same kind of focus Good. on like global conflict. The vocals are like direct and they're 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 strong without being like overly aggressive. There's just like an incredible presence to everything, and it's definitely like this is the soundtrack to our modern apocalypse. Uh, huge recommendation there. I have the cassette version. I'm sure the LP sounds good too. So um, check that shit out if you have any interest in power electronics, industrial, the rest. All three of those are fucking killer. They've been just like sitting on my turntable and tape player respectively. So that's it. Dick Betty's disco box. Disco box. Disco Fetty's dick box. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So should I? You guys, you guys want me to start? Yeah, let's fucking do it. Let's want to jump into our stalker episode? Let's get crazy. Stalk, 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 stalk. Now I feel stalk. like you're just cheering on like a cornfield. <laughs> that was a good joke. New, new stock city. <laughs> Y'all ready for this? Ba 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 ba. I don't know how that song goes. Yeah, that was bad. Ba 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 Stalk when you obsessively follow, watch, or obsess, yeah. obsess. You I did fantasize. read a little bit of the Wikipedia page for stalking today. So do you have that? Can you, are you gonna? I don't have it. Are there instructions on how to do it better? Because I'm there are caught. there are very good. It actually lists all of the stalking laws in every country. It's really? very interesting. I actually stumbled upon something because what I originally wanted to do was a female stalker mm-hmm. because I knew we were gonna be watching Perfect Blue. Although, would you call... Well, we well, can't say names, because we don't want to... No spoilers. Anyway, but it turns out, very hard to find one. And it came up with all these pages of, like, can women be stalkers? How to st- uh, deal with a female stalker. And I was... Fuck her in the ass. Tell her to go home. That's well, not even... I did find one, and I, I gave both you and Frank uh, the choices, and Frank essentially yelled at me via text message, the Bjork stalker. That's true. I know, was there for that as it is a group message. So he's not really a stalker in the sense that he followed her around and, you know, like physically stalked her being as they lived in different countries and she was a giant idol, but we'll get there. <laughs> so the guy's name was Ricardo Lopez. Ooh, he was, he's a, sounds sexy. He's German. Uruguayan. Good, good. It's a very German name, though, no, Ricardo Lopez. Yeah, I've Germany, heard that. That's like John Germany Smith. of uh, Tell America. Everybody knows that. Yeah, it is. No, you're right. <laughs> Keep sucking on that saltwater taffy <laughs> like there's no tomorrow. It's funny, like, like a <laughs> 15 minutes ago, you're like, I hate the green ones. I just saw you stuff one in your mouth. Like you got a whole the... box. I, I got a whole box for Easter. <clears throat> and where 
where'd they go? All down his uh his his, his big old hole. dick fetty gullet. Yeah. You're trying to say. You didn't want him, so you can have all of them. I did your, your I word. did say that, but when was Easter? Like months ago. Yeah, who even knows? Jesus Christ, crazy bunny. Do you want to go down this path? <laughs> I, can, I, can no, I don't I don't I don't I don't I don't. Please don't So Ricardo. Me. Right. Ricardo Lopez. Was a Uruguayan American working. to eat it all so hard and wanted. What? <laughs> you just mumbling yourself over your salt water taffy. He was a pest control worker and became obsessed with York in 1993. And then in 1996, he started a video diary about his anger that Bjork was dating a black man. And I okay, so I did watch a documentary about this, <laughs> and immediately he's like it's the first video. Now I didn't watch the whole thing because there's like 18 or 20 or some like an insane amount of hours of video footage. Mm -hmm. When you got it, nothing else to do, it's easy to rack up hours. Yeah, uh, but it, like it's immediate. Is like he's like now now she's dating that, mm, and he just says the n word over and over again. Oh. And uh, was it Goldie oh. or was it was it Tricky? It was Goldie. I thought she was dating Tricky. It was Goldie. It was definitely Goldie. But Tricky's darker. Does it matter? <laughs> no, but I'm just saying. Like I don't know. So wait, wait. I'm trying to get in the mindset of a. Racist. You're doing oh, a really how? good job at it. It's as if you... You're not in the mind of a racist because it wouldn't matter because they're still black. Yeah, right. Fair enough. <laughs> so originally he like wanted to be a famous artist and he dropped out of high school, which is not a good way to get an art school. But it is a good way to get famous. That's true. Well, what he did later was a great way to get famous. He's <laughs> all over the YouTube. <laughs> right. So wait, what year is this? 97. Well, originally he became obsessed with her in 1993. Right. But this this is this is prior to nineteen ninety three and he, he essentially didn't follow his art dream because he was afraid he'd be rejected and and he's too inferior and right. I might sound a little harsh on this guy who comes off as like a hardcore incel, but like I watched almost two hours of this man speak. Incel those are those guys involuntary celibates that blame women for everything. I have everything. been dying to get online and troll incel message boards. They just shut to, like, it, They shut down the one on Reddit. Just to like fucking laugh and laugh and laugh. Yeah, and see, the deeper disturbed. you go, the less you laugh and the more disgusted you become. Yeah, but I am so interested in incel culture. What's the name like of that, that is What's the name of that guy who pretty much made all those YouTube videos and ended up... Did he kill himself or somebody else? We'll they did a great Law & Order SVU episode about the incel community and a guy murdering, like this girl that, because one of the incels went and like actually fell in love and then the other incel came and killed his girlfriend because he was like, you can't love anybody. Yeah, they're really disgusting people. I've never heard of this, because I guess everyone got laid. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Thank God we're not fat or ugly. You, well, can, you can still get laid. <coughs> yeah, you just gotta lower your standards, people. Yeah. Or also be funny and not be yeah. a piece of shit. Exactly. Don't talk about how much you hate yourself all the time and maybe people won't hate you. Yeah. To stop doing things that <laughs> would make you hate yourself. Do it's a also, act. disclaimer, totally fine to be fat. Yeah, sure. Thank you. You're welcome. I just want to make sure the listeners know. Flex Lexus, Lexus Correction Corner of <laughs> Dick Fetty and the Beardo. That's great. Correction Corner. Gotta fix what Dick and Beardo say. I... <laughs> <laughs> So at 18, he started to become like super reclusive and really introverted. At this point, he became obsessed with some American actress. I couldn't figure out which one. Jodie Foster. Maybe. 
Was, was she really big in 1993? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Then, yeah. I'm just thinking the one guy that stopped Jodie Foster. What was his name? Richard Hinckley? He tried so. to assassinate Reagan to impress her. Yeah. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Didn't work, though. I mean, if you assassinated Reagan for me... You'd be drippy wet. I would be drippy wet. <laughs> I fucking hate that monster. So, he... this And this is, like, the first sign that, like, he thinks he's better than everybody. And that women are, like, disgusting to him, even though he's obsessive about mm -hmm. them. This specific actress gets out of a long-term relationship and then gets into another one. And he's like, ugh, no, I'm done. I'm done. Been there. Have you? Where are all the good guys? Like, where are all the girls that care about the good guys? Because I'm over here, like, waiting to be in a good long-term relationship, you know? Yeah. And they're all just, like, dating assholes. Yeah, it's being true. sluts. Yeah. Sluts with be butts. very hard for you. So hard. Have no love in your life. So at this point, <laughs> Ricardo. Mom, not son. Mom, not son. Ricardo Lopez. Who are you? Excuse, Excuse me. Who are, who are you? He, at this point, he becomes obsessed with Bjork. He starts collecting as much information via internet about her career and her personal life. He's just reading the press kits. Pretty much. On the websites, you know, yeah. like famously love press kits. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was it was 1993, so I bet there's just like a billion GeoCities websites. No, no, that was pre-GeoCities. You're talking Usenet. Oh, yeah. This is like all like what Reddit looks like without any interface, which isn't <laughs> that much different, and no pictures. So he claims that his infatuation with Bjork gave him this euphoric feeling and that... And then after that, is listening to Bjork? Yeah, constantly. <laughs> Army of Me is a good song. No, he was hardcore listening to Bjork. When they were first album, like when did he stop? Was he like no, she's all still of it. Loud? He loved all of it. Wow, he was Bjork's biggest and deadliest fan. <laughs> mm. I've been watching a lot You've of been watching a lot of Discovery. Yeah. yeah, I fucking love that channel. So, he even fantasized about building a time machine to travel to the 1970s so he could become friends with her. And he's keeping this all in just a regular diary did he like? Point. Did he like Sugar Cubes? The band she was in before that? They were also famous. Maybe. Who hasn't fantasized about building a time machine and going back to be friends with someone famous, though? Not Bjork. Yeah, you ever see her explain a television? Oh, Kristen Wiig's Bjork impression on SNL is... Top notch. Well, yours is gonna be better. Okay. I hope so. So Ricardo states in his written diary that oh, I couldn't have sex with Bjork because I love her. Real mm. piece of shit. That's how love works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this diary ran for 803 pages and talks about how, how big though him being overweight and having gynecomastia, which is essentially bitch tits. <laughs> I need to look up a guy that was ask you. It's gonna show you a fat man's chest. Okay. That's Bob, all it's gonna do. Bob had bitch tits. So the, yeah, that's exactly it's what got, I Can't have gyno to nastia without nasty, am I right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had to look it up too. I was like, what does this word mean? Does it have to do something with like him having a vagina penis? It has gyno, gyno in it. Oh. You see the bitch tits? Hormone imbalance causes swelling. Imbalance. Which gives you. Say it. Bitch sets. And he, listen, 90% of this docu er, this documentary I watched, which is essentially just all his videos, he's either nude or in underpants. So Love it. I saw a lot of those titties today, and 
They're pretty solid. Yeah. Yeah, they were pretty good. D cup. Fucking C all really? the, all day. Really? Maybe pushing D. Wow. Oh wow. <laughs> he really is shirtless in all of this. Yes, he is. So because of these things, it caused him to have an inability to have a girlfriend. Right? Uh huh. Yeah, that's it. Mm -hmm. that's have you ever it. seen King of Queens? <laughs> Kevin James does well. Yeah. I'll just say Hot, that. Hot skinny much. little wife. Uh huh. Whole lot of cushion for the pushing on that man. Yeah, man. Oh wow, this guy's horrible. He looks like the worst. Mm. Just wait till I get to the end of this. Okay. Oh, okay. did he like cut off his face? No. Stop looking at pictures. We'll get there. <laughs> so, at this point in 1996, he began his video diary. Like I said, I watched the, a shortened version. The documentary's name is actually called The Video Diaries of the Bjork Soccer. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty, there's no voiceovers or anything, it's just... It's like edited version? Yeah, it's, it's about an hour and 45 minutes mm -hmm. of his videos, and occasionally they'll cut in just words that'll be like, oh, he didn't make any more videos for this amount of time. And but it's like a best up, it's like the greatest hits. Right, and like I said, there's over 18 hours of footage, yeah. and I was... I did not have the time for that. I thought I did, and then I looked up the actual amount, and I did not. So while he's making these, he's living in beautiful Hollywood, Florida, oh, which God. is a place, apparently. Okay, wait. Do you know about the Florida Sunshine Law? So you found it. We, yes, I. we talked about did it. Did we talk about it? So oh, do you know why all weird news comes from Florida? Because they have a law where, like, police records have to be released by a certain point so all or have to be released like in a way that they don't in every other state the the press have the right to any and all information regarding any criminal case yeah so that's why all of the weird news comes out of florida and we think florida is such a now florida is a horrible place yeah but swamp people swamp that's why people. it gets all it's why is it always florida like because of laws i think that's so interesting so their their records are substantially more open to the press than so so you listened to the last podcast episode yeah where Casey i also Anthony. found out that information yeah and then and i was I, like what and then i watched a three-part documentary about casey anthony yeah. and then they talked about that too and i was like oh shit and then you saw her tits well, I saw her tits a while ago. I think in one of our earlier episodes, we talked about the porn she did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she killed her kid. Oh, she hardcore killed her kid. Like, so <laughs> killed her kid. So killed her kid. <laughs> so, he stated in his videos that the purpose of his videos were, My life, my art, and my plan. Comfort is what I seek in speaking to you. I am being my own psychologist. You are a camera. I am Ricardo. Longest name for, the me for a memoir ever, yeah. I'll say. My life, my art, my plan, colon. So... Semicolon. <laughs> Bowel. Bowel. He decided that since he could not be with Bjork, since she took on a black lover, that she needed to die. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know... Been there. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Been just there. following the logical steps of life, you know? If I, I can't, can't be with her, you and you're with I'll a black guy, <laughs> you need to die. Yeah. Well, once... And I find it weird that she... he. He never mentioned, at least the stuff I saw, about killing Goldie, who she was dating well, at the time. he was a good drawing dance artist at the time. But, yeah, but, like, he he only blamed her. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, he well, never blamed... Blaming women is not a new thing to do. No, no, but, you know, if 
Mariah, if, if my wife cheated on me with some dude, I'd go after the dude before I go after her. Yeah, but you'd still beat her senseless, though, after. Well, yeah, but, like, that's how we... Anyway, that's how we show love. He wouldn't hit me if he didn't have such strong emotions. <laughs> no, so, um, making light of domestic violence. You are a little yeah, bit. I think I think we just made light of domestic yeah. violence. It's all right. It's an off color. We're thing. bringing light just because to the situation so everyone can see it. Sometimes I wonder who I really am. Well, you, you know, know, you're allowed to joke about things, and you don't have to feel that way in reality. Well, we obviously I get that. don't advocate for domestic violence on this show, but we can have jokes about it because it's something that happens. My wife hits me all the time, and I never fight back. That sounds that's like called an progress. Sounds like an unhealthy relationship. No, that's feminism. That's I'm, no, I'm doing my part. No, right? no, that's what she tells me. Okay, that's what she tells me. She says, if if you tell anyone that I'm hitting you and that you don't like it, then you're you're, you're, against, against, you're against feminism. Right, right, right. Yeah. That's true. Is that not true? That's not true, Ben. She's been lying to you. Oh my god. <laughs> Pause the episode. <laughs> Making light of horrible situations. <laughs> Men never report when they're beat by their spouses. It Very true. So in another one of his videos, he states, I'm just going to have to kill her. I'm going to send a package. I'm going to be sending her to hell. What's in the box, man? <laughs> it's just a bed bath. So his, it, the, the videos, body and, I, and I only found out about this recently, but if it's educational in some way, you can show whatever the fuck you want on YouTube. Whatever you want. So, his videos, one part, it's him talking about how he saw a mixed race couple and how he would love to be out there killing and beating them and shit. Is that educational? How well, that it's, educational? A documentary, it's a documentary about this gentleman, so it's technically right. edu ed educational. And then it, it, it goes into about, there's a scene where it's just a close-up of his uncut, not girthy, not long dick. And I'm sitting on my couch, I'm like, huh, that's a dick on my TV on YouTube. <laughs> Not on many of the, you know, prolific porn sites I watch. And he's just sitting there, so he's like, yeah, there's the two-inch dick, la, la, la. And he's got all these, like, these needle wounds, like, right around, like, his inner thighs. He's talking about how he does that to punish himself. Oh. And at some points, he's talking about how he's, like so much better than everybody and that everyone's a piece of shit or he's talking about how he's a piece of shit and that's why he doesn't deserve love and all this other sick individual crazy shit that's some albert fish shit right there with the needles well i don't think it's on <laughs> it's, it's not albert fish level that man had a lot of needles in his grundle when he, he was sure caught did. oh my god so much personal hero <laughs> personal best so like i said he claimed his virginity and was never lost because of he's overweight and that everyone's such a big piece of shit and sex workers mm -hmm. it's good for sex yeah but then he probably would have just started killing sex workers yeah that's probably true so it, his original plan was to create a mail bomb containing needles full of hiv tainted oh. blood <laughs> that was the original that's plan? the original plan Never got off the ground. He's like, don't know how I do it. <laughs> Let's move on to plan two. Do you know what plan two is? Uh, Mail bomb full of acid. Yeah. Acid bomb. And so. That's when you put like five tabs of blotter in a shot glass and knock it back. Uh huh. Different, actually. 
Yeah, sulfuric acid. In a hollowed out book. There's gonna mail door. Why would, why would is it spring loaded? Yeah, why do you need the book? Well, when the book opens, the, the bomb goes off. So he actually hollowed out the book. And I don't know if it would have worked. It wouldn't have worked. This guy couldn't fucking find his he was, ass from a hole in well, the Well, the, the funny thing is, like, I'm, I'm watching this and he's showing, he talks about how he does all this art and some of it's actually not terrible. He did, he did a, a self-portrait of him topless with his man titties out and he's just like, there's like videos of him just shooting it with a gun, which he lives in an apartment building. Don't know how he got away with that. It's Hollywood, Florida. That's where the stars go to die. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know how right you are and there's points where like he talks about his family worrying about him his cousin stops by to like check on him and shit and his family knows that he's having issues he agrees to go to uh, a mental institution for uh, counseling and shit and they put him on medication I don't want to spoiler spoil this but in the end he does end up with Bjork, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, they they are married now. Oh, wow, that's what I thought. Yeah. I love him so much. <laughs> I just, he's like, he's like full of fatties. <laughs> that's, that's literally my Bjork impression. <laughs> so, and there's point, and like I said, his family tried to get him psychological help. There's a scene in one of his video diaries where he's talking about how he just went out with his brother, who he was, he, who owned the pest control company he was working for, and he had a really good time. It's like, yeah, you know, I had a, I had a really good time tonight. Uh, you know, we went out, we had a few beers, uh, we did. I think they said they did karaoke. I can't remember, but he's like, oh yeah, you know, it was a really good time. All right, back to work, and immediately starts working on the bomb again. <laughs> just like, just like I have to do this. So he plans on sending this package to her either maiming or killing her, and the final part being that he kills himself. Right. Nailed it. So... Nailed it. In this documentary... No, there's not, not a nail. They, they end it with uh, his final tape, which is labeled Last Day, Ricardo Lopez. Now, it doesn't have the full ending to the story, which you can find on YouTube, but I'll get to that. So he starts talking about how he's nervous and how the bomb has leaks. And he's freaking out, and he's just like, fuck it, fuck it. And then it cuts to a scene of him wrapping the book. He, like, ties a ribbon on it with, with a letter, which, how is she going to read it if she got a face full of acid? Not thinking ahead. Yeah. yeah. And then wraps the whole thing in saran wrap, I guess, to stop it from leaking. Yeah. But, I mean, if I receive a package that's a book in saran wrap, probably not going to open it. I mean, my well, dumbass would. But I feel like you would just see a melted Wow, this is a, this is a real melted, fresh book. Melted book. And I'd be like, hmm, seems like acid. <laughs> sure smells like acid in here. <laughs> yeah, hmm. Odd. I don't remember ordering a book full of acid. So, as he's about... Amazon Prime is weird. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta stop drinking before I get on Amazon. Keep sending gifts to myself. I don't even remember what they are. So, as he's about You're to leave for the post right. office, he takes a bunch of psych meds and a clonopin. Clonopin, I used to get lit. Yeah. Clonopin. And he says that he isn't worried about being caught because he's got his gun with him. That's how that works. <coughs> and if, if he gets caught, he'll just blow his head off. Oh my god! So then that part ends, and it goes to the final, final, final scene. 
He shaves his head and paints his head with grease paint that's red and green. And it's like, it's it's so weird because it's like, I can't even describe it. I, maybe we could post a picture of him looking like this, but they're like, like wiggly stripes. Yeah. And then his, his lips are black. And then, from what I gathered from watching the video, his nipples had the red grease paint on them, just the nips, and he had big old nips. Yeah. So he probably used half the can of grease paint on there. Pepperoni nipples. Yep. Don't and he he uh, he's like looking in the mirror, and he's he says to the camera, "A little nervous now. Definitely not drunk, not depressed. I know exactly what I'm doing. It, the gun, is cocked back. It's ready to roll." And then he states, fuck the world, fuck Bjork, her and her N-word loving self. The chances of it working, I'm not going to count on it. Talking about the bomb. Yeah. And behind him you can see the message, and I did actually watch this full part. I couldn't watch it on my PlayStation for some reason. I had to go on my phone because it kept like being like, parental advisory, do you wish yeah. to proceed? And I'm like, yeah. And then it'd come up with a different one. I'd be like, no, proceed. And it was just an endless loop of that. Yeah. So I had to watch it on my phone. Someone watched him shoot himself in the head, Jesus Christ! So behind him is a message hung on the wall that says, The Best of Me, September 12th. And as the Bjork song, I Remember You, finishes playing, he yells, This is for you, puts the gun in his mouth, and pulls the trigger. That's awesome. Wait, did you see the video of this? Mm -hmm. Of him shooting his head off? Yeah. Holy shit. Was Foo Fighters the best, the best of me, best of you playing? The best of you! <laughs> no, no, it, it was Bjork's song, I Remember You. Uh, I hate the Foo Fighters. Yeah. I just wanted to get that out there. They're fucking <laughs> the worst. So, Sublime, Foo Fighters, and U2, top three worst bands. I like Sublime a lot. They're, they're a trash band. Do you, really? What about Dave Matthews? They're up there. They're yeah, but, band. but like Sublime... Like, Dave Matthews is inoffensive bros. Sublime's like people that, like, think smoking weed is cool. You're, that's a different, you're talking about the fans. I'm talking about the music. It's like, Garbo. Yeah, but, you know what, we're not going to talk about how much I fucking hate Dave Matthews fans. Yeah, they do suck. The Dave. The Dave. So, three days later, three days later, September 16th. Three doors down, more like. There was a foul odor, odor, and blood. I can't speak. A foul odor and blood were noticed coming from Lopez's apartment, and the Hollywood police were notified. Mm. They showed up four days later. <laughs> well, they discover the body, and uh, on the wall is written, the 8mm videos are, doc are documentation of a crime, terrorist matter, and for the FBI. So they immediately get the fuck out of there. Yeah. <laughs> clear the whole apartment building, only to find out no bomb in there. Yeah. So then they actually watch the videos, and they get to like the 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 one that's labeled. Imagine you know, being the poor asshole in the police department has to watch eighteen hours of yeah. this madman. Well, I, I don't know if they watched all eighteen hours because I'm pretty sure they went right to the last one. Yeah. Uh, because it was labeled, you know, yeah. last last day, Ricardo Lopez. And they were able to contact Scotland Yard and warn them warn them about the bomb. And it was intercepted in South London. So it actually did make it over Seas. to the UK. Yeah. And she lived in London. Mind you, somebody else opened her mail. So it would never have gotten to her anyway. But one of the things that's fucked up but I found a little funny is that, unknown to him, the relationship between Goldie and Bjork 
the main reason he decided that he needed to kill her ended a few days before he nailed the bomb. So, I mean, maybe maybe it would have been worse <coughs> if he found out, because maybe he would have killed somebody else, or who knows. But um, after his suicide, Bjork gave a statement that she was very distressed by the incident. And Alexa, I'm going to have you read after she said... It's terrible, very terrible. It's a very sad thing that someone would shoot his face off. <laughs> I make music, but in other terms, you know, people shouldn't take me too literally and get involved in my personal life. That's good. That was really good. <laughs> oh, man. And that, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen, is the Bjork Stalker. Wow. Are we not clapping? No. no, I can't in this position. Okay. Well, I really enjoyed every moment of that. You should watch the documentary. I can't believe I watched the whole fucking thing. Yeah, I don't want to see a guy blow his head no, off. I well, that's not in it. That's not in it that I had to find. Oh. I want to watch that though. This guy just sounds like an asshole. He, he, it's just him talking about the same shit over and over yeah, no, again. For like me. Oh, my life is so hard. It I've like got a two-inch penis. Clients. You know, it's not about the size of the boat. It's the motion of the ocean. No, it's not having bitch tits. That's the thing. Well, bit. Some ladies love a little a little booby to slap around themselves, you know? Yeah, true. Everybody loves tits. Uh... Everybody does love tits. So, based off of Ben the Beardo's recommendation, uh. I looked into the stalking case of actress Teresa Saldana. Woo! That's oh, a hot I read name. About that. Yeah. It's a real hot yeah. name. For like Donna. She was very pretty. She yeah, is she very pretty. She's dead now. Well, but yeah. she died in 2016. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, Did her soccer finally get her? No. So, but in the early 1980s, her career was on the rise. She was in um, Defiance and she was in Raging Bull. Oh, um, this, yeah, I didn't read a little bit of that. Um, so, uh,. She was stalked by this guy who referred to himself as the Benevolent Angel of Death. Nice. His name... Sounds like a redneck. Was... For sure. To be fair, good branding for a stalker. I, yeah. I agree. I yeah. agree. Like, if, you, if you really can get off the ground with your stalking career... Way better than the Bjork stalker. I agree. Benevolent Angel of Death. Um, so his name was Arthur Richard Jackson. Less good name. Um, oh, That's a lot of first names. So what happened was... He was obsessed with her and decided she needed to die for whatever reason. So what he did was he hired a uh, private investigator. And the private investigator found out her mother's address. So he called the mother and he basically, she picked up and was like, hello. And he was like, <laughs> hello. Hi, I'm, um directed Raging Scorsese. Martin Scorsese. Yeah, she, she was, he was like, hey, I'm Martin Scorsese's assistant. I no have, way. Yeah. You are? And you want to hire my daughter? Because you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she had already done Raging Bull at this point. Oh. So he called and was like, I am Martin Scorsese's assistant. We have an actress that had to, like, had some medical issues and isn't able to fulfill her role in this film we're doing in Europe upcoming, and we think Teresa would be perfect for it. Is there any way you can give me the information so I can get in contact with her? What's the role? Definitely not being raped and murdered. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it's kind of, it's it's scary that private investigators, I mean, 
I guess they're only, but like, you can hire a prior investigator to help stalk you someone. You think yes. stalking is such a like personal thing and he was yeah, like, no, no, let me just get someone else to stalk real quick. Private investigators aren't as glamorous as movies and TV shows yeah. make them out to be. They're garbage. Yeah. Games. He's just so, trying to get paid. He's just trying to get paid, yeah. So, essentially, <laughs> he got the, because he could only get a hold of like her address in New York and stuff, um, but through talking to her mom, figured out she lived in LA, so he, this, he flew out to LA and he walked up to her building and Do you think the whole time he's on the plane is like going on an adventure? Gonna kill this bitch cause she don't love me. Well, she he waited for her outside her West Hollywood apartment building and when she appeared, he literally walked right up to her and was like, Excuse me, are you Teresa Salvana? And she was like Wait, hold on. How the fuck does he not know? Because <laughs> he mean, just wanted to make sure. Um I just want to make sure you're the person I've been obsessing over masturbate to their movies, yeah. look at their pictures constantly. Is that you? Is that, is that who I'm talking to? Hold on. You have to understand that at this point in time, it wasn't that easy to, like, it, it's not like it is now where I just Google whatever yeah. I want to see, like, Alison Brie nip slip. Well, I don't even have to look for that now. She was in glow. But you know what I mean? Like, I get whatever I want. You just Google it. But, like, back then, you had to work hard, man. You got to take the pictures yourself. Have you Googled Alison Brie nip slip? No, but I'm just saying as an I example. Have. Did you get anything? Did they slip? No. <laughs> there, was, there was no slippage. I, I waited, and then I saw Glow, and I was like, that chapter in my life is now closed. Yeah. Nice. Allison Brie, give it up. Do you like Bojack Horseman? Ooh. I actually just started watching I it. I love it. It's not that good. It is amazing. I'm and not Allison sure about Brie it And Brie is one of the main voices. But anyway, so she was like, yes. And he took out a hunting knife, and <laughs> he stabbed her... Um, like, 15 times. Ow! Should have said no. Yeah. He stabbed her so hard that the knife bent. Nice. Like, so he... Shitty knife. So what happened was this guy, Jeff Finn, a delivery man, um, heard her screaming and, like, rushed down a flight of stairs and found her being attacked and subdued Jackson and got the weapon away from him. How old was Jackson at this point? great question see that's why if you're a stalker and you're planning on killing a woman with a knife you buy american yeah. knife co chinese steel does not no hold up it's not even steel it's mostly paper mache yeah yeah you buy from facts. knife co you facts i like spider co knives for my stabbings yeah and they got that nice little that the the what is the it the notch. spider hole yeah that like really rips on the flesh yeah you know? he was 46 Nice. And he was yeah. from Scotland. He had a good run. Yeah. He was a Scottish dude. Yep. So, um, they, um, So how did the obsession start? He saw a raging bull? Yeah. And it gave him a raging bull. Am I yeah. right? I, I'm going to be honest. All of what I read, and there's a lot of articles on it, and but there's no Wikipedia for him. Uh -huh. There's only a Wikipedia for Teresa Salvana, and then there's like... Do you go to primary sources? No. I mean, if you want Oh, you to... mean like actual primary sources? Yeah. yeah, no, I didn't. I was just checking out all the articles. Um, so, he basically, um, most of the blood had drained from her body. Her heart had stopped. 
and um, they needed to do a heart lung surgery and give her 26 pints of blood to save her. Metal. And 26 pints of blood on the wall. <laughs> Obviously. 26, 26 pints of blood. Take one down. Stab it around. <laughs> 25 pints of blood on the wall. So um, she uh, she recovered from her injuries. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. And, uh, Good to be white. Good to be rich. Co-starred in um, the cop drama The Commish in the 1990s. <laughs> just like a big hit, apparently. And the guy who Never saved her um, later switched careers from the delivery driver to the job he always wanted, which was the police officer, so that kind of inspired him. Well, that's nice. And um, she starred in her own uh, made-for-TV movie about the event. That's pretty sick. Called... Um, doesn't have a name here, but it's... A Victim for Victims or something like that. Yeah, it's like Victim for Victim, the Teresa Saldana story. Is it like a really long title? Like, if someone asks you your name on the street, always lie. Because that's what I'd do. That's how you get stabbed. Or served papers. Never admit who you are. That's smart. That's smart. It's actually solid advice. Yeah. Deny everything. Trust no one. Make counter-accusations. No, you're Teresa Saldana, not me. My name is Bill, Bill Sutherland. (laughs) Donald, Donald Lee. Your stalker will just start stabbing themselves if you tell them that they're you. So she became a big advocate for um, crime victims, working to raise awareness about stalking. And um, there was another really famous uh, murder of an actress in, and that's why California was the first state to pass anti-stalking legislation because she got attacked and Rebecca Schaefer, who was another actress, which I don't know what she was in, but she got uh, uh, stalked and killed. Um, what about Nancy Wood? In 1980. Who's Nancy Wood? Wow. How quickly we forget the women killed in Hollywood. You mean Natalie Wood, who fell off that boat? Yeah. Listen, to be fair, a lot of women get killed in Hollywood. Wow, that's what it's there for. But California was the first state to, and this is a little history on stalking, I'll bring this in, which you made a good point. You were like, this, you know, Teresa Saldana's case had a lot to do with bringing anti-stalking legislation into this country. Um, So, first state to criminalize stalking in the United States. Um, uh, There was uh, Richard Farley, do you guys know who that is? He was killed by a stalker. To Chris Farley's brother? No. 1980, I should have looked that up. But there was like... With between the years 1988 and 1990, there was like eight high-profile stalking cases, five of which resulted in murders. Golden years of stalking. Yeah. So, um, it was developed in uh, 1990, and it was passed then. Um, and within three years, every state in the United States followed suit to create the crime of stalking under different names, such as criminal harassment, criminal menace. Um, Sexy time peep show. (laughs) Good looks, good fun. Um, (laughs) And it it was interesting, because I was looking it up when I was on the Stalking Wikipedia page, and it was talking about, like, how hard it is, especially Illinois. Illinois made these really, really tough stalking laws um, that, like, said, like, they were being tough on stalking, but they made such a, like, narrow definition of what stalking was that, like, reported cases went from, like, 100 to, like, 30, like, over the years because no one could get anything passed because, like, either they had to be someone you were used to be in a relationship with 
and they had to have made and like have you under surveillance or um some other thing but like technically be recording you and stuff so there was this one woman who this guy kept showing up to her house all hours of the night and like ringing the doorbell and like masturbating outside her door and naming <laughs> different stuff and she went to the cops and was like this guy is stalking me and they were like well he's not like recording you and you've never been in a relationship with him so technically it's not stalking and she was like what the fuck are you talking about and she ended up having to move so illinois had to change all their stalking laws but it still can be a little tough today because it's like you need to prove all this different stuff and then you get to the point where you're like well why don't i just fucking move um so well if you have a good stalker then it won't matter yeah well there's a great lifetime movie about that um this guy just can't find you um so in 2004 saldana spoke to larry king about her ordeal recalling Hello, larry uh recalling you know how jackson tracked her down by contacting her mother via listed unknown phone number um so this is a direct quote from her in the interview as soon as I got the call from my mom, my manager, Salva Rubin, called me a moment later to tell me she had been getting some odd calls. It appeared to be the same person. I called the police, but at that time, they didn't have themselves on alert for things like that. They thought it was nothing. They thought it was just a fan. And King asked, did this person begin to stalk you? When did this person begin to stalk you? And she said, well, what we didn't know at the time is that he had been stalking me for 18 months. I didn't know anything about it, and in fact, for the week after I found out he had my address, I was very cautious and careful, but nothing happened. So, her mom, like, her manager calls, and is like, I'm getting weird letters. And then her mom calls, and I was like, hey, did you get that call from Scorsese's agent? And she's like, what? And she's like, oh, I gave your address to someone who was not that. So, she knew that he had the address, and she was like, I'll just be on alert, I'll be fine. But, like, how do you know? You know? Well, and you don't know what you're looking for. Yeah, and I think Perfect Blue does a great example of, like, sort of illustrating that heightened sense of fear where, like, everything, you start to second-guess yourself, you don't know what you're looking for. And all of a sudden, step, 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 step. Yeah. So, um, so nice Jackson, he was convicted of attempted murder um, and received a 12-year sentence, which was, at that time, the maximum sentence for the crime in California. It now carries a penalty of life in prison. Um, but while he was in jail, he continued to make threats against Saldina, so he was just, like, going for it. <laughs> in March 1999... Well, if you're good at something, never stop doing yeah. it. Yeah. Saldana learned that Jackson had sent a letter to Jonathan Felt, a producer for Geraldo, outlining his plan to assassinate her. This is a direct quote from him. I am capable of alternating between sentiment and savagery, romance and reality. Police or FBI protection for Teresa Saldana won't stop the hit squad. So he told the Scottish Daily Record that he threatened to kill Teresa, um, but he also had a fantasy that, <laughs> this is awesome, that Gregory Peck, Charles Heston, and Charles Bronson were going to get him out of prison earlier and have betrayed him, and didn't. Well, did they? No, but like, wouldn't that be awesome if they are like, let's not get this guy out of jail. Let's just go do our own thing. It's like, I think it would've been great if they were just like, yo, we gotta get this guy out of jail. <laughs> and then been like, Man, I got, I got a lot of shit to do today. Can we can we push this off, like, <laughs> a couple days, and then a couple days became a couple weeks, a couple uh, weeks became a couple months, yeah. and then they just never got around to it. <laughs> so, um, he had a night, he, um, had a parole, and she petitioned against it, and he ended up serving additional time for making the death threats. In 1996, he was extradited to England to stand trial on an unrelated 30-year-old murder charge. He was not convicted of that crime. 
Um, but he was, uh, that was due to diminished responsibility. So essentially people were like, you're crazy. So he ended up going to a psychiatric hospital for the remainder of his life until he died in 2004. Where the only thing he's allowed to stalk is his bedpan. Mm -hmm. So why did she die? She died in 2016 of like, I think, cancer. The ultimate stalker. It waits till you're not ready and pounces on you. <laughs> oh, my bones hurt. She died technically of pneumonia. Yeah. My only regret is not curing my bonitis. She was 61. <laughs> That's young. Yeah. Oh, God, we're all going to die. That's true. We are all going to die. One foot on the gas, the other one in the grave. What's up? She was in, in, she's incredibly pretty, though. Yeah. Odd stabber. You guys want to sulk? I mean, visit her grave? I just got some high. It'd be so easy to stalk a grave. <laughs> I know. It's peeking behind other graves. There's not even. There's, there's not even laws against it. <laughs> That's true. Well, it's probably trespassing. No, it's a graveyard's a public place. Yeah, but you can't be there at night. That's the best time to be at a graveyard. Yeah, but it's that's the law against it. Yeah, okay. Mm, pretty sure I know a lot about laws. I'm a lawyer. I'm pretty sure I know a lot about graveyards. I'm a grave. <laughs> you had a lot of options there. You chose the dumbest one. You chose... 2250, people. <laughs> to be the stink, stink, mixtinker over there. With your hands just deep down in them. I was up above it! <laughs> but now I'm down in it. Then, down in it. And then tight, <clears throat> tight little... Sweatpants. So, Dick Fetty, what is what is your stalker case that you covered? Looks like you've got a sexy picture of a sexy man on there. Yeah, so he's the Charles Ng of my stalking world. Ooh. And, uh, just because he's chubby uh, Asian and has big, thick glasses. But I immediately thought of Charles Ng and uh, gave me the giggles. And what, he brings to friendship? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you understand what I bring to friendship? <laughs> Literally the best. Just all of our listeners are going to be like, they keep talking about this this podcast called Last Podcast. We, we should, should listen to that. <laughs> and just stop listening to us. That's the goal. We're just here to funnel you to Last Podcast. So... So I picked <laughs> Ming Sen Shu. Or Shu. Pretty sure it's Shu. Did you get packaged? Ming said shoo! <laughs> <laughs> why, why did you only send me one shoe? I told you, Ming said shoo! Nice. Is that yeah. racist? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. But it was hilarious, though. <laughs> yeah. Good play on words. Um, yeah, so I just, you know, I went from a random list. I said, top ten best stalkers. Picked one from that list that I found on some website and was like, cool. Uh, so that was my level of interest. Um, wow, this is starting out great. You're really giving your all this episode. Thank you. I am trying very hard. Uh, so it's really, uh, the case turns out to be a lot less, uh, I can find a lot less information about the stalking and way more about what happened um, post-abduction. But the shorthand of the whole story is uh, Ming Shin Shu was uh, born in Taiwan and then he moved to America. And he went to school in, I believe it was Minnesota. It's at least where the crimes were committed. Yeah. Taiwan born, Minnesota raised. So I do want to point out, um, I actually got some real sources for this one. So 
this is some shitty website. I'm not even going to cite that. But uh, there was an article from David Channon, Star Tribune, June 17th, 2014. Uh, another one by Tim Nilsson from... Um, uh, it was the Minnesota something or other paper from April 19th, 2010. And then I got the court documents Ooh. from the case, which really were cool. So, uh, basically, in high school he had this teacher that he got the big time hots for. Mm. And over the next 15 years, he had uh, recurring violent fantasies about sexing, loving, abducting, raping, and killing uh, his teacher... And uh, eventually he decided it was time to act on those fantasies. How old was he when he decided to do that? Uh, let's see. Well, he's 60 in 2010, and this happened in 1980, so he was 30. Oh, so he like... Yeah, no, he went in for the long haul. Yeah, long 15 haul. years he fantasized. We've so. all been there. Still fantasizing so you, about my high school teachers. So do you think that like after you and I have been friends for 15 years, Dick Fetty, one of us will... Oh, you know what I was going to say? One of us will try to kill the other one. But maybe we'll, like, meet up and both fall at knives and be like, Oh, you! And then just slit our own throats. That's yeah. a, that would be a great way to end it all. Yeah. yeah. And then I get all your stuff, right? Yeah. No, no, you're already dead. What? Yeah. We're going to kill our respective lovers so we can go to heaven with the one we truly want to be with, each other. Up top. And well, then... Wait, where do, we, do I go to heaven? No. no. Oh. You're unclean. Yeah, you go underground into the wormhole. You're tainted. <laughs> and tarnished. You're filthy. And a slut. Uh, yeah, so he decides he's going to do this. It's for real. He's sick of this. this. This fantasy life. He wants to make it real time, real talk. Now, meanwhile, the guy's got an electronics business. He's doing well. He's, uh, he, he's fully adapted to American lifestyle. So this isn't like Trump's, you know, bad immigrant. I mean, he was a bad guy, but it's not in the way that, you know. Yeah, I'm trying to get political, but I'm blowing it. You really are. So on May 16th, 1980, Ming Sin Xu abducted Mary Stauffer, his teacher, Ooh. and her eight-year-old daughter, Elizabeth, from a parking lot of a beauty salon in Roseville, Minnesota. We call that a twofer. Yeah, that now, is a twofer. she had quit teaching, and uh, she was... I forget if she was Episcopalian or Methodist. She was Methodist. And so she had become a missionary in the Philippines, I believe it was, with her husband and her family. And they were like just briefly back in Minnesota in between mission trips, but had like dedicated her life to Christ and like making other people's lives better. So it's like a great, yeah. nice lady. Now, you know? was this something he had planned out and he knew she was back, or he just happened to see her? Tracked her down. He tracked her down? Yeah. Because he went to originally where she lived, like he did all this stuff to find her address. But again, I couldn't find a lot of specifics about it because I think that in part, like, you know, we can find all this information about serial killers and things like that, but these single murder type incidents, yeah, there's like, not there's much. not a ton of records. And, and I did unless, read... Unless the killer's uncaught. Yeah. Right. And I did read um, some newspaper articles from the 80s, but they were mostly about what happens during... There was two trials, and I'm going to get to it. Uh, there wasn't a lot of information about his background. And I read one article that was, um, I forget, it was some website that had a lot of good pictures, but the way it was written seemed like wildly sensationalized and like they were just making shit up. Yeah. So I didn't want to cite something that wasn't verified. Um, so I'm not going to do that. But basically, 
he figures out where she is, like, he's trying to track her down while she's in town, finds her, abducts her, and, um, Shu forced Mary Stauffer to drive her car according to his directions, holds her at gunpoint, or knife point, I believe, it was one of the two, again, they don't say, and then Mrs. Stauffer was told to stop the car after she drove for an hour, uh, Shu tied and gagged both her and her daughter using rope and tape he had brought with him. He placed them in the trunk of the car and drove off. Placed the daughter and mother, like the victims. Oh, at least they're together. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> during the ride, defendants stopped to check on the Stauffer several times. The first time, Ms. Stauffer had untied Elizabeth. Defendant was angry and tied them more tightly. The last time defendants stopped, the Stauffers had again loosened their bonds. Shu unscrewed a metal plate, which was secured the spare tire and discarded it, then dropped the spare tire on the Stauffers. At that point, defendant heard someone say hi. So he's got the trunk open. They're in the trunk. He pulls out like the donut tire, yeah. and like you know, a lot of times I've got this like big like screw thing that pulls yeah. in under the carpet part, and just like drops the tire on him. And then he hears hi, and he turns around to see Jason Wilkman, who was an eight-year-old boy who had been playing with his friends uh, when he came upon the Stoffer's car and found this guy dropping tires. Well, you gotta teach your children: don't be friendly. Everyone's yeah. the enemy. Yeah. So, uh, when Shu heard Jason's voice, he turned and grabbed him, placing his hand over his mouth, and threw him into the trunk of the car as well. <laughs> He's just piling on. Yeah. That is not the way to handle that situation. She's stolen a pickup it's at like this point. It's like that episode shit. of Spongebob where he just keeps shrinking people. That come, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. Wombo? Wombology? <laughs> I love that episode. The study of Wombo. So does this end with him having like 15 people in this trunk? Well, this is the origin of clown cars. <laughs> I wumbo, you wumbo, he, she, wumbo, wumboing. So the Stauffers were in the trunk with Jason for approximately an hour. Both Mrs. Stauffer and Elizabeth tried to comfort Jason, who was crying. They asked him his name, and he replied, "Jason." He said his. He was six years old, and so, I apologize, six, not eight, and now he wouldn't be able to go to his grandma's the next day. Shu drove oh. to a deserted area where the Stauffers could hear gravel and brush striking the wheel wells on the sides of the car. The car stopped. Shu opened the trunk and took out Jason. Elizabeth saw Shu take out a long bent bar made of metal out of the trunk. Shu closed the trunk and was gone for 10 to 15 minutes. When he returned, the drive resumed. After another hour, the car stopped and the Stauffers were left for a time. Finally, Shu returned and transferred them to another vehicle and drove them to the defendant's home and placed them in a closet. The Stauffers were confined in Shu's house at 1960 North Hamline Avenue for the next seven weeks. During that time, the Stauffers were primarily confined to the closet tied at the elbows with the closet door shut and the doorknob removed. Mrs. Stauffer was frequently sexually assaulted by Shu. Several of these conversations and assault sessions were recorded by Shu on videotape. During the first week of captivity, Shu talked about Jason on four separate occasions. On the night of the kidnapping, May 16th, Shu told Mrs. Stauffer that he had taken Jason into the woods and threatened him by saying if he ever told anyone what had happened, he would return and hurt him. Shu said, I just scared him and then I fired a shot over his head and let him go. But Mrs. Stauffer never heard any shots. Now, I'm mostly reading directly from the court document at this point because this is the closest thing we can get to the real story. Um, but basically, so... As he takes uh, Miss Stauffer in and out of the closet to like rape her and then tell her what's going on or like what he's up to basically and his obsessions and fantasies about her, 
he she like asks over and over about this kid and then he like tells different stories every time and then he says like he hit him and then this that and the other but basically he never says shit about it now after seven weeks um <clears throat> oh and he also talks about how like you know his plan went wrong in the sense that the kid showed up and it wasn't what he wanted and blah 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 so on july 7th so imagine this is you know that was in may this is now july 7th mrs stauffer found that she could remove the hinge pins of the closet door she and elizabeth freed themselves called the authorities and escaped she was arrested the same day at his electronic business so uh later that same year in september of 1980 after a 10-day federal trial the jury found Shu guilty of kidnapping. Prior to his trial, Shu had told one of the psychiatrists that he knew the location of Jason Wolfman's body because it still hadn't been found. And what happened was basically once, um, like, they were immediately reported missing, the Stauffers. Right. Yeah. And then the boy went missing, like, shortly thereafter. Yeah. And his friend saw what happened, that he was, like, abducted by this guy yeah. thrown in the trunk of the car, and he went and told the boy's parents. And so they were, like, immediately looking for this guy who had, they assumed, done all of this together. Um, but they couldn't find the body. Like, the family was super upset, all this stuff, obviously. Like, you know, they lost their son. He was abducted. So, uh, in late October, the week before Shu was to be sentenced by Judge DeVitt, he entered into an agreement with the Ramsey County Attorney's Office. If Shu would locate Wilkman's body, the Ramsey County Attorney's Office agreed that they would not charge him with first-degree murder. And, like, this is first-degree murder because it's, like, even though the murder wasn't premeditated, it was in the commission of another crime. Yeah. So, 100% first-degree murder, like, that he, if he killed the kid. But, uh, so he takes the police to the field where he did it. It takes them all day to finally find the remains because he's like, no, I swear to God, like, this is where I, I put the body. And uh, they find the kid, and he had slammed him in the head with, like, a big, uh, they think it was a tire jack. And they couldn't tell which blow killed him, but he crushed the child's skull and all this stuff. And uh, it was pretty awful. And um, so they convicted him for kidnapping, but then they tried him for the murder of the kid. And this is where it gets really crazy because they're like, the whole time they're like, this is a bad dude. Like, you know, and like he was a stalker and he had these fantasies and all this stuff. But like he was also cogent, insane, yeah. and like, just like relatively unrepentant at the yeah. time of trial for the kidnapping so they do a new trial about the murder which is a separate trial and the star witnesses of course the mrs stauffer who's like you know yeah. this is what i saw when he abducted us when he threw the kid in with us and like this is what he told me during like yeah. these rape conversation sessions um and while she's testifying he smuggled in a knife on one of the days of trial and like runs up to her and cuts her face. And like she had to get. What? Yeah, I think it was 48 stitch, 62 stitches. Like this woman hasn't been through enough. Right. She obviously, she could have not testified, right? Sure, but I mean, she wanted to testify. That's what I'm saying. Like, so she goes, she's like, I'll put myself re through the trauma so these other people can get closure for their son. Right. It's fucking bananas. Yeah. So, um, the, the court paper I read was based on an appeal that then she file, filed. So there was, they, so the trial <coughs> ends after that, like they can go <coughs> on and, but the, the, 
prosecutor says, like, you should consider his actions today in the courtroom. Like, you know, he's doing this. This is a jury trial. Like, it's criminal. Yeah. So he cuts her face in front of, like, the entire jury. And the, the prosecutor's like, think about this when you're trying to decide whether or not he killed this kid. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you just saw him, like, viciously assault a woman, whatever. And so um, the jury goes into deliberations and they wind up with a hung jury because one person, like, won't say that he did it. So they send, they ask, the jury's allowed, the foreman's allowed to ask the court for directions as to what to do. And the court says, you should review these videotapes if you haven't looked at all the evidence because they'd already asked to look at some of it. So the appeal that he makes is based upon his then later guilty conviction. They come back a second time and say, we're still hung, what do we do? And the court gives more direction and says, like, the court gave him proper direction. And the judge decided that the sentences would run concurrent, so the state appeals that portion of it and said the states should the rather the sentences should be happening one after the other, so it should be he should be in prison for first the kidnapping and yeah. then second the murder. But the judge has the discretion to decide what to do with that. Uh, and then there was also um, the judge considered aggravating factors when sentencing him for what was eventually uh, the conviction for second degree murder. One thing I saw mentioned, uh, it's later in the court documents, but I couldn't find, again, much information about this and why this is a stalking case is that not only did he have fantasies, but he allegedly uh, entered, broke into the Stouffer's home three different times prior to the abduction and had done other things like trying to stalk and find and whatever to get to this point. And, you know, but it doesn't, I don't have any information about whether she told the police or not or whatever. I would imagine that she did, but, like, it's really just conjecture because I couldn't get more information. But it's, like, again, stalking played out to the ultimate fantasy level of, like, you know, he abducted her and did all the things he had hoped to do after a 15-long, 15-year obsession. Um, but so the matter on appeal was the four issues, again, just to restate it more succinctly via the court documents where did the contact between the trial court and the jury in the absence of counsel not on the record constitute reversible error? Was there a failure of the trial court to declare a mistrial or allow void of the jury after the defendant attacked the state's chief witness in the presence of the jury, a denial of the defendant's right to a fair trial by an impartial jury? And void means like, did he have, should he have had an opportunity to re-question the jury about their bias after he attacked the people? Um, after he attacked Mrs. Stauffer during the trial, saying, like, he wanted a new jury because they saw him do that. Yeah. This is his whole thing. He was like, it wasn't fair that, like, they saw me do that, and then they, like, decided whether or not I was guilty. Uh, and then was the trial court's decision to deviate from the presumptive sentence um, and impose the statutory maximum justified? And was the trial court's decision to run defendant's sentence concurrently with his federal kidnapping sentence an abuse of discretion? And the... Uh, Court of Appeals said that all of those, there basically there was no error. There was no error in the way that the court instructed the jury, that there was no error in him not getting a new jury just because he did something bad during yeah. his trial. They're like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, you stabbed a woman in the face, like, fuck you, buddy. Uh, there was also, the court has the discretion to sentence the way they want to, and the court also has the discretion to consider whatever factors, even though some of the factors that the court considered weren't normal in terms of sentencing. Uh, they talked about, the judge specifically talked about, because he did not disclose the location of the body or that even that he had killed the kid until like right before the trial started, um, that 
that was an aggravating factor because it didn't allow the family to have closure. Yeah. Which I thought was like an outside the box thing. And, you know, I don't know, like, if that should be considered, but I feel like, fair enough. Like, yeah. you killed a fucking kid, so this guy's a piece of fucking shit. Yeah. Um, and they found his ass guilty as fuck. The other articles that I read that I just kind of wanted to briefly touch upon were interesting because um, he, so he goes to prison and he's a sex offender in the sense of like, he's a stalker and he raped her. Mm -hmm. um, and stalking doesn't necessarily have to like become a sex offense, but like it was part of yeah. it, you know? And uh, in Minnesota, they didn't have a program to treat sex offenders, or at least not in the prison he was in. Until, like, the 2000s, the late 2000s. And he would have been eligible for parole, but under the state guidelines, he had to receive so much uh, in-prison sex counseling before he could go back out into the world. Right. But yeah. he only got a total of 40 years of jail time. That's so fucking he, insane. Yeah, and he was eligible for 27, um, like, at 27 years and so many months to get out of prison. Well, it's, I mean, it's, I have mixed feelings about it because I don't think that, like, somebody like him, is he reformable? I don't know, but, like, he'd certainly have to get a lot of counseling, therapy, whatever, yeah. to be, I think, a reformed person. But I also don't know that keeping people in jail for their entire lives is beneficial to anybody. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? There should be some other kind of way to monitor these people and put them out in the real world because having them not be socialized and stuck in prison forever is definitely not going to make them better. As far as I'm concerned. So, I mean, he killed a kid, but it wasn't like... He killed a kid to hide what he was doing, not like he was out to kill kids. So, like, then, when it comes to pedophiles yeah, and child murderers, I'm a lot less lenient. I, also, I think, you know, I'm all for not keeping people in jail for lesser crimes, but if you do something like this, like, yeah, I, I would like you to stay in jail for the rest of your life. And yeah, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it, but basically, when... It, they appealed his sentence and said, like, he should be able to get out, but, like, the government has essentially denied his constitutional rights to appeal by not having this ability to get sex counseling sooner. Um, and the, the the court said, like, no, that's not a violation, and, like, whatever, we don't have that ability right now. Like, I think now he gets that in-prison counseling, but he's been just denied on appeal anyways. Yeah. But in 2010, and then again in 14, when the later articles were written, he's now 60 and 64, well, now he's 68. Um, he's, like, got kidney problems, and he's uh, walks with a walker, and essentially, like, he's not really a threat anymore. Yeah. But in 2010, when there was this whole idea of he may get out, uh, both Mrs. Stauffer and her daughter, who's now married, has kids and all the rest, yeah. came and spoke against him being released. Yeah. And specifically the daughter did. And the happy part of this story, if you can call it that, the sugarcoating, whatever, is that uh, Mrs. Stauffer was such a woman of faith that, like, she reached out to this guy's mother uh, during the trial and said, like, it's not your fault like yeah. that your son turned out like this. Like, yeah. she helped counsel the family who lost the, the, their son and she was just basically like, you know, this is, like, an awful thing that happened, but, like, you know, I believe in Jesus Christ and whatever, and, like, people should be able to be redeemed, and, like, I'm not going to let this define me who I am as a person, and, like, yeah. went on to live a rich and happy yeah. life. And, like, even with the cut, like, you look at her now in the pictures, and, like, 
She looks like a nice old grandmother, yeah. and like you can barely see the scar. Wow. And uh, her daughter was like less about it. She was like, I don't want him to get out. Like I wouldn't feel safe. I yeah. wouldn't feel like my kids were safe if he was on the streets and whatever. And like the dude's probably not a threat, and it's probably a waste of our resources, but whatever. And um, you know, and that's kind of what happened. So it didn't lead to any major reforms, or it wasn't particularly important. But it was interesting for me from the legal perspective of like the things that have happened since the arrest, the two different trials that they had. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's definitely scary because there are wild people out there who do some wild shit. And uh, it's not just women who get murdered by stalkers, but definitely better to be a guy. Yeah. Much more likely to just die in some kind of brawl than I am to get stalked and murdered and raped. Keep telling yourself that. I do. I know I'm handsome and I'm like noise famous, so <laughs> I might get stalked. Yeah, definitely I, won't be by anybody in this room. We're dating, but you didn't know that I've been stalking you for four or five years before that. I know. It's true, I helped her. Did you? Yeah. You can't stalk me. Where are you going to hide? Six foot ten? <laughs> Dude, it's like giant hands. Slender man, but like, not really, you know what I'm saying? Hiding behind trees. Hide behind yourself. Where's Alexa? I heard she moved to California. Yeah, you sure? Because I don't know. I'm pretty sure really she's towering over forest. that jungle gym over there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Can you introduce me to your friend, Frank? That's exactly how it went down. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know, like, you know, I have to laugh because it's like the. Well, laugh is not. I don't know how to put it. Um. I mean, obviously, stalking that results in harm. I mean, stalking generally is bad. Like, just leave people the fuck alone. But it's also, like, fascinating in the sense of people obsessively, like, stalking people. Like, that's... It's, like, literally what a predator does, like, in the woods. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, wolves stalk their prey. And it's so much easier now with the internet and yeah. social media. Well, yeah, and, I mean, cyber-stalking is, like, from the comfort of your chair. You know what I mean? And it, and, But it also is, like less likely to so turn into well, I Is went, today's technology making stalkers lazy? I went to an amazing presentation on cyber stalking from that badass FBI agent that we always see oh, right, at breakfast. Right. She's always at Constellation Collective and I'm always like, I want to say hi to her, but I'm too afraid. But she gave an awesome presentation you on... You probably think you're stalking her. Yeah, that's what I was... I mean, you essentially are. She's so cool. Um... <laughs> But she she was talking about, you know, turning the location off on your devices because that's how people, like, most frequently get stalked when they, like, check into places. And they did, they did this case where this guy was in law school with this other girl and he, he was, like, not a good student. She was. And he, like, passed her on campus one day and she was like, hi, how are you? Because she recognized him. And then he, like, fell in love with her and he's writing all these Facebook statuses about, like, how she's ignoring him, but how she's gonna, he's going to marry her. And... Eventually, he sent a threatening, like, message to her and was like, I'm going to fucking kill you. I love you. <laughs> you know? We'll fucking kill you! And she you. reported to the FBI, and they went and, like, cross-referenced his social media check-in stuff with hers. And, like, so he took a picture of his car, like, on near Milk Boy in the city and was like, look at my baby, blah, blah, blah. She was like, what you don't see in this picture is that he's a block away from where she's eating dinner right now. So it was, like, really interesting stuff. So if you're stalking somebody, turn off your location. Well, don't bring your phone. Don't bring your phone. If you're going to commit crimes, do not bring your phone. 
That's a fair what have we learned on this episode today? Well, I, you know, I was when doing research and trying to pick my topic today. I found something I really wanted to cover, but there's zero credible evidence that it actually happened um, about this stalking case involving a man named Dr. Ramsey. Mm. And it's really creepy, but it hails from this Reddit, this subreddit. Uh, the group stalking. No, 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 um, called Let's Not Meet. And it's all these stories about people having these crazy experiences with stalkers and murderers. And, and it doesn't always end like that, but, like, the kind of point of it is to end with, like, so-and-so, let's not meet. So, like, Dr. Ramsey, let's not meet. Yeah. And I remember listening to something where the story was told, and I was, like, severely creeped out. It's probably a creepypasta. Well, so on the on the Reddit site, it's, it says... It says that, you know, everything, every story that you tell in here has to be true. Yeah, so what? What are That's those, what those I'm saying. Yeah. There's no, and I'm, like, looking it up, and it's just Reddit, Reddit, Reddit. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, come on, man, like... You want just, it to be real? Just, yeah. Well, it's just like in the beginning of Fargo when it says based on true events. Like, the movie's not based on shit, but it makes it better when you watch it. Yeah. First time you don't know that trivia. Yeah, that's true. So. Nothing stops you from Now the only that. thing that yeah. I stalk is candy and... Corn. And also women. And, and women named Dick Fetty. Yeah. Sexy lady. But, uh, no, it's just, yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting thing, and I, I feel like I can... I could understand the the enjoyment one might get out of stalking to a certain point. But not to, like, the ends that it comes to. But, like, I feel like creeping on somebody, like, you know, like, it's like a fun game. No? I'm not saying that I would do it, but it's like peeping. It's basic, well, like, I, and I think that's where, like, peeping is a little bit better because it's more indiscriminate. But then, like, you find the goods and you're probably going to go back to the same house. I don't know. Don't peep. Don't stalk. Leave people alone. There's porn on the internet. Where people have peeped and stalked for you. Yeah. But then feeds your desire to do it yourself. You want to get your hands dirty. You can't just live a sterile computer existence. Yeah. Next time when you have these thoughts, I want you to squash them real deep. And not <laughs> Why say don't you just let them Is that how you? that works? Is that the healthy way to repress that stuff? Just, let just squash them real stalk deep. You. He would take no interest in stalking me. I don't do anything sexy or fun ever. That's the point. No, no, it's not. I'm stalk me, baby. We should have watched all night long. That would have been another good one. Because you can stalk people by like collecting their trash, and then building their life in your in, in your apartment based on their trash. We should do that as a couple. Yeah, we talked about that. I think. Did we? Or I might have thought about it and not told you. So I uh, all night long three. Check it out. It's a great movie. It's it reformed my life view about people equal garbage. Before we um, get into my best vibes, I did want to discuss. Uh, I I I I was actually stalked by a woman years ago. Sure. Okay. No, I was. I shut up. I I I met this girl via. You did tell me about this. A friend of mine, and she would send me all this poetry. And just, you know, it all stopped for a while. She was, like, 14 or 15 at the time. And you were 40. I, yeah. <laughs> I was essentially 40, and I was like, no, thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah. And I, you know, occasionally she'd, like, she got my phone number, and then she'd text me drunk, be like, can you come pick me up? And I'm like, we haven't seen each other in years. Yeah. Why would I do that? And then I remember I was at a buddy of mine's house, 
and my ex-girlfriend, my, my recent ex-girlfriend, showed up and was like, hey, do you want to come to this party with me? And I'm like, I don't think that's a good idea. So... You went to the party with her. No, I didn't. <laughs> Later that night, I get a text message from her. And she's like, yeah, I, I ran into this girl who said she used to date you. And I was like, who? What party are you at where you ran into a different one of my exes? And she's like, I don't know. And she was drunk when she texted me all this, so it's mostly garbledy gook. But she's like, I don't know. She's got red hair, and her name starts with an A. And I was like, that's weird. So I go on Facebook, and I look this girl up. And, I, and she had bright red hair at yeah. the time. So I fucking go through all my old text messages to find her number. I'm like... Why are you talking to my ex right now? Why are you telling her all this shit? She's like, I love you, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And years later, she'd still, like, occasionally text me while fucked up. Because I've always essentially had the same phone number. Yeah. And she'd be like, I need you to come pick me up. And this is after Mariah and I started dating. Yeah. So, like, you know, a little under want. four years ago. Yeah. And I'm like, listen, it's midnight. I'm in a different town don't have a car, about to go to sleep next to my girlfriend, like, you need to lay off. Yeah. Why didn't you block her number? I eventually did. Yeah. And she stopped con- and she, there's, there's been no Facebook or anything, luckily. Um, but yeah, like, it was, it was getting, Check like, your backseat of your car, mate. Really unmanageable. I turned off my location services. Nice. I could put myself in that category, though, between the ages of 18 and 20, to, uh, I was, when I- was into dudes, like, and they weren't into me, like, I just, like, would stalk them. Yeah, but there's no way for this girl to find out that my ex that she ran into was my ex. I don't know, maybe. I used to date this guy when I was in high school who lived up in Dumont, and he broke up with me, and I used to just, like, show up at his front door and be like, hey, I was in the neighborhood, and he was like, you live two hours away, like, get the fuck away from me. Like, I was fucking batshit crazy. So you're admitting to stalking people. Well, let's just be honest. The hormones coursing through my body between 17 and 20 were bad. That poor guy. So, maybe it was probably also the fact that I was unmedicated at the time. Yeah. But, yeah. The only way I make amends to that dude is by that completely disappearing and never showing up on his radar again. Like, so listen guys, women do stalk <laughs> men. Do. Protect your dick meats from their evil vagina magic. I mean, I'd never be violent, but I was like definitely delusional. Yeah, but yeah, why. but like delusion turns into that. Yeah. How, many, how many times have we all seen horror movies where like some girls like in the guy's house, like did we not see Audition? Yeah, that's true. Because like that's what like, uh, you haven't seen Audition, but for those who have if you haven't seen Audition and you don't know what happens, then stop listening. But most of you have probably seen it. And basically, like, she's not exactly a female stalker. Like, it's not the traditional, like, no relationship forces the relationship mm -hmm. and then, like, kills the person. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a different way, but it becomes the same kind of, like, obsessive controlling whatever. And that, that I think, goes to your point, Alexa, about... Uh, it's hard to criminalize stalking because it takes many forms. Yeah. And there's not, like, there's a path that we all think of, and then there's, like, a lot of other versions of it. And I deal with this in the domestic violence cases I do, 
where stalking is a form of domestic violence and it is by far the hardest to prove because yeah. harassment is pretty doable because you just have to say don't contact me again and then the person does and you've got harassment yeah. it's not always going to work in the sense of you have to have like a like harm or fear of imminent harm to show that like as the added element whereas like stalking is like they have to do certain types of things and there's a bunch of criteria and whatever it's like it's a tough thing to prove yeah. and you know and most of the time it's in relationships where people like should have a certain amount of contact so it's like where does this go from being like what would be expected to what's not and like when is it really threatening versus just like annoying you know like in yeah. Like, do, like, how far do we want to go to criminalize people's behavior in fucked up relationships? Because, Jesus, then we'd just have everybody in court, the amount of shitty relationships I hear about. So it's tough. It's, like, always a fine line. And you're using the blunt instrument of cops in shitty towns with, you know, shitty uh, amounts of money and, and shitty education on what the problem really is. And Christ, well, you know what, I'm not going to say that. But anyway, yeah, it's a tough thing to deal with. And it's, like, really tough because person hasn't done anything like you know everybody wants to be like oh you're fine like it's gonna be all right but yeah and you write it off as like oh they're just that's they're just obsessed with me they're just crazy they're just th especially in this day and age where we have like constant contact and we can be hitting people up when we're drunk or stuff like that and yeah it's just like sin nudes yeah but yeah but i also feel like now there's so much less reason to stalk because it's so easy to but I also can get a, like, I really do understand the idea of, like, becoming obsessed with people that you've never met or don't know or whatever for whatever reason. Like, something clicks in your brain and you're like, I want to burrow myself, like, deep into that person's mm -hmm. life and not have them know about it. Like, I totally get how that can happen, so. Yeah. I don't, I don't get voyeurism's that. Voyeurism's a sexy thing. Right, exactly. Like, it, it's this crossover between voyeurism and, and everything else. And I think that there's, like, like, at least for me, like, you know... It's definitely, you can get a thrill out of, like, invading somebody's privacy when you know you're not supposed to and, like, getting something personal. Not necessarily even to do anything nefarious, but it's, like, yeah. reading somebody's text messages or going through their journal yeah. or, like, knowing what you're not supposed to know. Like, knowing something intimate about somebody that they don't know. Like, it's terrifying if you're the person it's happening to. But it's, like, you know, it, go, it goes, there's such a, uh, a like, swath of area where it's, like, from, like, seemingly harmless to like definitely nefarious and like all of it's bad but like who hasn't engaged in some level of like you know that and especially in this day and age where we're like so open about our privacy yeah. at the same time and mark zuckerberg's able to read all of our facebook uh, messages Zuck. he's just having a grand old time you know there's an awesome story runs with never mind truck no let's fuck um there's this awesome story before you start well, just one more thing um at the beginning of this American Life episode where this girl like um always bringing it back to this American Life this girl um kept ha got her identity stolen and this guy was like stealing money out of her bank account and all this different stuff and it got to the point where she was like couldn't save anything she took all her money out of the bank she was basically being supported by her boyfriend at this time like they'd been together for like three years and he was, like, picking up the slack on everything. And she finally, like, got to this point where she was so frustrated and so confused. She pulled all of her money out and put it in a um, money order. And, like, mm -hmm. put it in the back of her drawer and was like, I'll, I'll just do that when I need to. And then one day she went to look for the money order. And the money order was gone. The money order was gone. It's, like, two years of this happening. And she goes to the bank. And they're like, you already cashed this. And 
there's security tape of her boyfriend coming in and like cashing it. Her boyfriend had been stealing from her this whole time. And it's like, she, the cops, when she first talked to them were like, it's your boyfriend. And she was like, no, it's not my boyfriend. Like, no, you he know, my good. Boyfriend. He loves me. And just that level of, that has nothing to do with stalking, but that level of like manipulation. Yeah. Something. And that's why Perfect Blue is such a good movie because it takes like the ultimate fears about those types of situation and turns it into this, like, mind fuck of a film where you don't know, like, am I losing my mind? Yeah. Is this, like, heightened paranoia, like, yeah. rational or not? And, like, what am I, what's going on? Yeah. And then adds a whole bunch of extra, like, philosophical, psychological shit to it. It's totally rad. Well, hit us with your best buy, Ben. My best buy of this episode. 2012. Do you guys like cults? I like coke. Uh, I like cults. I love cults. Do you like first-person shooters? Video games? Yeah. Uh, I could do it. I, I, I... Me too. <laughs> so, I've recently been spending most of my life playing the new Far Cry 5, which... Dude, I thought you didn't like it. No, I love it. I never said I, I like no, it. Now you like it. I've loved it since I got it. Listen, first of all, it's in America. Now... Maybe you shouldn't be killing cult members because they're just people who have been swayed by a man with extreme mental abilities. But I'm doing it anyway. Right. Now, I don't know... Is there a non-lethal playthrough available? Huh? Is there a non-lethal playthrough? Oh, Oh, God, no. That would be awesome. No way. In fact... (laughs) So... (laughs) I'll get to that in a minute. Anyway, there... So, Far Cry 3 is one of my favorite games ever. Dick Fetty let me borrow it a long time ago. And uh, it took me a while to get into first-person shooters, and then I played Bioshock Infinite and then Far Cry 3, and I was like, I'm in it to win it. These games are awesome. And I spent many hours playing Far Cry 3. Played a little of 4, didn't like it. Went out, bought 5, the day it came out, and it's a little strange because you're a silent protagonist as opposed to having a scripted character that has interactions with the other characters. His name is Brody, right? I think so. I think so. He's so, supposed to be a douche. He is a douche. He's yeah. like he's like part of like rich yachting, you know. They're doing this that. like cross the cross world fucking yeah, para, like extreme sport yachting. thing. It's just a bunch of bros, yeah. like super rich bros, and then they get kidnapped by like uh, East Pirates. Asian slavers. Oh nice. Yeah, it's awesome. And then he goes into this whole Alice in Wonderland drug induced just starts killing everybody and eating all these pills and doing all these drugs Brody? and skinning animals. Yeah, Brody goes nuts. Yeah. <laughs> it's, fucking, it's an awesome game. They like they take what is like could have been so dumb and they really handle it perfectly. Like it's uh, really a, it, there's nothing like mind breaking about it, but it's like it's really well done. Yeah. Uh, Heart of Darkness story. So in Far Cry Five, you are nameless, f- fresh Brewer. rookie deputy for the sheriff of. Nottingham. Hope County. Oh. And <clears throat> so Hope County has been taken over by a cult called Eden's Gate, uh, also referred to as Peggy's Path to Eden's Gate. And it's it's all set in America for once, which I like. There's some things that they changed from 3. I didn't really play too much on a 4, so I'm not going to comment on it. But instead of like having a full animation where you skin animals, it's... You just pick up the skin. No, it's it's just it you you hit the button and then the, like a big bloody like like cut wound appears on them. So 
So it's not as like visual and graphic, but you do get a pet puma. You get a pet bear named Cheeseburger. Wow. Puma's name is Peaches. And you get a dog and like all these friends and you can like, <laughs> you can, you can position them on like, you wait here and then you can have them tag and attack certain people. So you can like coordinate attacks. There's an online capability, which I've not played, but I've had friends of ours tell me that it's awesome to do. And it's just the way they do it and just the way, because like, so it starts out and there's three different sections to the map. There's, there's Faith Seed, the leader of the whole thing. Uh, the, it's the Seed family. So there's Faith Seed, John Seed, and uh, shit, I'm, I'm forgetting the redhead tactical dude's name. But Joseph Seed is the one who prevails over everything. And there's a scene in uh, John Seed's location. So, like, you do have a bar where, like, the amount of resistance goes up doing certain things you do. And just killing cult VIPs gives it up. So you're essentially just killing. Just kill killing. And, I mean, they're, they're nowhere innocent. And there's a lot in the game where uh, they, they're like, you know... I would feel bad about killing innocent people, but these Peggy's aren't innocent. Kind of really drive home the fact yeah. that like these are awful people. Yeah. Well, cause like basically, there's nothing. There's no like shorthand for don't feel bad, other than zombies or Nazis, like which we've mined to death in the gaming world. You right. Know, like you can play Wolfenstein and never at any point are you like I feel bad. It's like I'm gonna slit this Nazi's throat and then drown him in his own piss. I mean, you know, when I'm 150 yards away with a 50 cal and I take out a cult VIP who's about to shoot an innocent person in the head, I don't feel bad at all. Good. Not whatsoever. The, the game strike. The, the gameplay is, is just, it's, it's good. It's, it's Far Cry 3 but with, with cults. It's, it's really the storyline of the cult that really takes it home. If, if that wasn't written so well, the game probably wouldn't be as fun. Yeah. But, like, the stuff in Faith Seeds region, they have a drug that makes you hallucinate. So, if you're in it too long, like, you start to get sick and everything gets all trippy, you'll go to shoot, like, a deer and it'll turn into a fucking bear. <laughs> and, uh, it's... The, the game's pretty well done. I do have some gripes about it as far as, like, the older games, even Far Cry 2 and stuff like that. But, it's a lot of fun, and if... You want to be an all-American boy, huh? Driving's better for once. Oh, it's way better. You want to be an all-American hero taking out some crazy, crazy cultists, I definitely recommend playing it. It reminds me a lot of um, David Koresh, who ran Waco. Mm -hmm. Just doomsday cult, stacking up weapons to take out the evil government. Nice. But Very, it's also it's also rad because it's set in Montana, so it's like visually beautiful, and there's a sick uh, fly fishing mini game that's totally awesome. Yeah, it's it's really good. The hunting is is about the same. You know, there's just some things I miss about Far Cry Three, but I've always had my dick hard for Far Cry Three, so I definitely I definitely think it's worth the sixty dollars. I haven't played any of the live events yet, but from <laughs> other people I know who have the game, they said they've been really fun. And uh, that is my best buy of the week. Nice. Well, I'm, I don't have a best buy, but I will say, as far as events go in online gaming these days, they, uh, they've really taken a page out of uh, MMOs and up the ante in other types of games where, like, you've got these events that kind of spice up and keep people, you know, keep the player base strong. Most recently, they did it in pub, 
where they had these uh, flare, this flare version of the game where in like all the outlands there were these flares in very small buildings and you had like a super low chance of finding one. But if you did, you would shoot it up and then a plane would come and drop like an even bigger box specifically on your position with like all the best gear that I didn't even know existed in the game. And so then it turns into these fights where like everybody's armed to the fucking teeth. And we won two different flare games, and like, oh my god, it was just like screaming. And we it felt so good. Was it the funeral? Or no, it was Easter. Easter day, I played one round. We fucking won it. We like, I saved the replay of it. I'm, I'm in a full ghillie suit, wriggling in a bush while my one friend comes and flanks the other guys, and they're like both hiding in this hut. And then I like just pop one dude in the head, and I'm screaming over the microphone, fucking yeah. So yeah. Live, we, live events are cool. And we haven't killed anybody, so violent video games aren't to blame, so back the fuck up. Yeah, well, they, they know that now. I mean, yeah. they keep saying it, but, like, they, they know the research shows we're fine. If anything, it channels my negative impulses in a creative and social way. Well, great Best Buy. Thank you. Great episode in general. Later, nerds. Later, nerds. Fuck off and die. <laughs>